The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I am the man, sick with the slang, sick and I'm destined for fame. Do for the fam, not for the gram, stunt me a destined for pain. I do not front, I do not scam, put some respect on my name. Sick like a rain, click and I bang, y'all gonna remember the name. Y'all gonna remember the name. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. Now, on today's episode, we have got on a fellow musician, a very talented one. This is the frontman of the band Adelita's Way, and this is the one and only Rick DeJesus. Welcome to the show. Uh, happy to be here. Awesome, man. I've done a real brief intro there, but for people who are not familiar with you, Rick, please tell them a little bit about yourself. I'm the singer-songwriter of Adelita's Way. Uh, we've been traveling the whole world for about 15 years playing music uh, and, and using the platform we have to spread a positive message, to bring people together, and to really just, our music is very motivating uh, in, in many different ways. And, and we use our platform to, uh, like I said, just to, to, to spread a message uh, of, of kind of what's going on in the world today and make sure that all the civilians and all the people are sticking together. That's awesome, man. How did you get started in the world of music? Oh, I had blinders on. Music was one of those things where, where I just put the, I put the blinders on and, and I just went for it, right? It was, I was playing college baseball and I, I, I love baseball my whole life, but I knew when I stopped showing up to practice because I was in the studio recording or I was playing these little uh, kind of late night gigs I, I, and, and then I wasn't showing up to practice next day. I knew it was just something serious because I love baseball so much. And I immediately put baseball to the side when it came to music. Uh, I put girls to the side when it came to music. Music was like <laughs> my blinders. It was just like everything right out. Uh, 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 my focus was just all music. When did you first start making music? I started making music. Uh, I wrote the first song, which ended up on our first album. I wrote the song Brother in 2002. So 2002, 2003, I started songwriting. The first song I wrote actually ended up on our first album. Mm. Uh, that song's called Brother. It's uh, My Brother Deals With Addiction, Heroin Addiction. And I, I wrote a song to try to touch him, to try to maybe dig deep within him to, to help him with his addiction or give him a perspective on how everyone was, me, especially my mother, were viewing him and what he was going through and maybe hoping I could connect him in a different way. And it, it didn't work. I mean, the song makes him cry. It's emotional for him, but it wasn't enough to get him out of the, the pitfalls of, uh, of his drug addiction. I hear that, man. So I'm, I'm, before we get into the music more and some other topics, I want to know a little bit more about your about your background. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? Born and raised in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, pretty tough place. I grew up in a, in a, in a pretty rough neighborhood, uh, which made, gave me character. You know, uh, you had to fight for what was yours. You, you know, for as nice as a person that I am, and how much I like to to you know spread love and joy. Uh, I was in way too many fights as a kid because of my <laughs> upbringing and where I grew up. So I grew up in a pretty rough area in Philadelphia. Uh, a lot of my friends uh, succumbed to, to drugs and, and to the addiction of, uh, you, you know, I watched. And, and again, this can go this can go governmental, too. I pretty much watched um, half my friends and my family become addicted to drugs right before my eyes. And it all started from some form of prescription or it started from some form of drug that was given to them right prescribed by a doctor uh these were always the catalysts 
uh, in my life to, to watching some of my friends absolutely succumb to the next drug, the next drug all the way until they were going to the methadone clinic after being addicted to heroin. So it, it was in my neighborhood where I grew up, it, it was a real, a real problem, you know, and I know mm. there's TV shows that kind of discuss uh, the opioid addiction in, in America and across the whole world, but I seen it firsthand right in front of my eyes. Yeah. I'd actually like to go a little bit deeper on that because it is, Although it's a, it's a problem to a degree in various countries, it's a real big problem in the USA. This, that sort of thing you're describing, that, that doesn't exist here in the UK. Um, I spent a lot of time in the US. I've traveled all across the US. I've traveled across the UK. I've been to 30-something different countries. But when it comes to this particular opioid addiction and this link that you've drawn between the prescription medication and then people going on and becoming addicted and people overdosing and so on. I mean, the overdose rate in the US is something like five times what it is in the UK. That's the rate, not not the raw numbers. Of course, it's a bigger population, but the actual rate, I was reading that over 100,000 people last year in the USA died of um, overdoses. It seems like so many people I talk to in the States, so many friends I have over there, know people, multiple people who are or have been addicted to these drugs. So as someone who grew up and saw that happening around you, can you tell me a little bit more about what what goes on there? Because I'm curious to know what's so different about how it is in the US than it is, say, in the UK or other parts of Europe. Well, you, you know, first, they, they try to they try to say every kid is sick right right away. That's what I noticed. Even me, they, they try to put me on medication uh, as a young kid and my mom never did it. But the, the, I think the first step is you, you, you go see a doctor and they immediately tell you that you've, you've got something wrong with you. You're, you're, you, you, you're hyper. You need, you, you need to start with this medication, right? That seems to be phase one. And then, and then from there, it's just, it just never stops, right? Oh, well, he's got anxiety. Let's give him a Xanax. We'll prescribe this pill. We'll prescribe these volumes. And then, and then from there, it always goes, I, I seen it, uh, I, like 10, 15 different case studies, I almost feel like in my life of, of kids I went to high school with, my neighbors, uh, whatever it may be, it always goes from the Xanax to the Percocets to the Oxycontins, Oxycontin, mm. heroin, heroin until you're getting clinical methadone, you're showing up at a facility and they're giving you legal methadone, right? And uh, uh, what I notice is all another common factor is all the people, my brother, two of my brothers are, are in this position and uh, they both live off the government. They both collect checks, uh, you know, disability checks and, and all, just off being addicted to drugs. And in my neighborhood that I grew up in, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, that's how the majority of people that I know live their life. They're, they're living their life. They're, they're addicted to some form of, of heroin or Oxycontin and, and they're receiving assistance from the government. They, they walk the earth like zombified humans, right? They, mm -hmm. they, you know, my brother lives down on the streets in Kensington Ave in Philadelphia. And, oh, and wow. down there. I, think I've seen, I think I've seen videos from there. It's awful. And, yeah. I, it, and, I've and, been to, um, I've been to Skid Row in LA. I've been to the Tenderloin in San Francisco. I've seen places like that with my own eyes. I haven't been to Philadelphia, but I have seen no, videos from there. Right. It's, it's, you get, you get, and it's a community down there. It's like mm. a lot of people down there. Uh, and it just shows you that this is happening uh, to, 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 to more people that you can imagine this is happening. And, and it's, and it's a shame to see that it is almost by design, right? There's almost a population that is pushed towards this lifestyle. Oh, you're, you're going to be a zombie down in the streets and you're going to be, we're going to prescribe you these drugs and, and, and this is going to be your life. My brother cannot break away from heroin. He cannot do it. He, he, we, we've, we've had him in so many rehabs. It's such a powerful drug that it's just, it's just taken over his entire life for, for 45 years. Man, that is heavy, man. I, I will pray that somehow he is able to over, overcome that. Um, it, it's a weird thing to, it's a weird thing to see. I remember when I went to the States in 2019, it wasn't my first time in the USA, but it was my first time going there as an adult and spending a lot of time in multiple different cities and multiple different States. And my first stops, my first two stops were Los Angeles and San Francisco. And 
I'd heard stuff like what you're saying, right? I'd, I'd heard people saying things. I'd seen, you know, some snippets here and there online being in some sociocultural and political spheres, but I didn't realize really, I, I thought people were exaggerating, right? Even when I tell, if I tell my friends in the UK about it and I tell them, oh man, like, you know, <laughs> people have this idea of California, especially here, this really like, you know, kind of pristine, beautiful place. And I'm like, yeah, there's, there's nice areas, but you will see some stuff there that doesn't even exist in the UK. And they're like, oh, we have, we have homeless people in the UK. There's, there's, I'm like, it's not the same. I, it, it's, it's not the same. It's not the same. And, and I, you, you nailed it on the head when you said exact people think you're exaggerating when you try to describe to them what's going on in these progressive cities. You know, when you, when you look at, I just, this is what I do. I tour these places for the last 15, 16 years. I I've seen San Francisco over change over 15 years i've seen portland oregon change over the last 15 years i've seen uh, uh los angeles change over the last 15 years and i can tell you right now it's not progressing better mm. almost people than ever more people addicted to drugs than ever like what you're saying you go to you go to san francisco you go to san francisco now and it, it's 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 run by the homeless and the drug addicts down there now and and you know they need somewhere to go but but i just think that they're being priced out of being able to afford homes and apartments too it's not all drugs it's not all just the same scenario it's if you go to san francisco they want forty eight hundred dollars for a 400 square foot apartment well th not everyone makes that money so what's happening now you, you you've got normal middle class people on the streets in san francisco you've got people who have jobs living out of their cars in portland you've when i was in portland last we just played portland uh, about three months ago this is not an exaggeration this is a fact this is what i try to get tell people when i tell them what i'm seeing thousands of tents on the streets thousands communities of people living in tents not just like oh yeah there was 10 homeless people in a tent i'm saying thousands of people living in tents so when when you when you think about these places that have progressive politics you know you, you've got uh, uh like the place we named san francisco portland uh, uh new york city these places that that, that that they always have an agenda they always are pushing these certain types of agendas look at the position that those cities are in right now and that's where i believe they want to take all of america eventually right they they want they want us it, it, it's no secret that you know and that this sounds awful it's no secret that tent sales are through the roof that trailer park sales are through the roof it's no secret that uh the lifestyle that is progressing forward for for americans right now is uh unaffordable to have a house and, and a yard and, and, and you, you know, I know people that have two jobs that are, that are living in a trailer. Yeah. That's, that's not the direction I think that we should be going in a world in the, as a world, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's really interesting because I mean, you'll have better into insight into this than, than I do being someone who's grown up and is living in the U S but how has it changed over these last few decades? Because so many people I talk to, I know people who grew up in San Francisco, grew up in LA, so on. And so many people say, everyone says it, it didn't used to be like this. You know, I went there, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, it was beautiful. Yeah, there was a little bit of this, but it wasn't, it wasn't anywhere near. It's gotten so much worse in the past decade, gotten worse in the past 20 years. What, what happened? What is it that changed, say from, I don't know, the year 2000, or whatever it is that has caused these particular cities to decline so much? Well, I always, I say that it's, they've got us brainwashed into, into picking teams in the government, right? So I'm going to blame the government. That's, that's what's gone wrong. The government has run these, these cities into the ground with their policies. Um, they, they've done a really poor job being able to, to set, the communities and the civilians up to be able to afford this type of lifestyle, right? When you, if you go to LA, if you go to California around a bottle of water over there uh, is, if it used to be $1, it's $3. If it used to be $3, it's $7. Now you got $7, $8 gas per gallon. You've got, you've got all these, you know, expenses and costs. And then you want to get to the rents. The rents are just unsustainable. What happens if you can't pay rent? Well, you're homeless. So I think that the policies, in these cities um, have changed 
the, the, the income and spending for the middle class person, the person that's going to work making 15 to $20 an hour, you know, $20 an hour in California is equivalent to like $8 an hour, $7 an hour, right? It's like, it doesn't matter how high that number is. If you're, if you're paying 3150 a month for a 700 square foot building in, in the ghetto, right? I mean, it's like, so what I've noticed is that has gotten worse, right? That mm. has gotten inflation has gotten worse and worse, especially in these places. I went and had a, when we played San Francisco last, I went to a Thai restaurant. I eat Thai food every day in my life. I went to a Thai restaurant. My bill was $34 for a plate of chicken fried rice. Yeah. $34. How can, how is that sustainable? Yeah. I, I actually, just to jump in here, I actually tweeted a couple hours just before doing this podcast that I spend a lot of time in both the UK and US. In terms of day-to-day stuff, food, groceries, toiletries, getting a haircut, so on, a lot of stuff in the USA now costs about triple what it does in the UK. Uh, and the, 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 the UK is not the UK is not a poor country. The UK used to always be more expensive than the USA. People used to go from the UK to US to get good deals. And in the past few years, it's it's changed. I mean, I've been in stores in uh, the US. You want to buy deodorant they're charging ten dollars seven eight ten twelve dollars for a can of deodorant in the uk i can still get that for one pound fifty like under two dollars and i'm like hmm i mean the uk is having inflation too everyone here is screaming people in the uk are screaming about inflation just like they are in the u.s and i'm like there's been an interesting shift that's gone on here and i'm not just talking about the most expensive parts of the u.s yes i've been to san francisco and new york but i've also been around texas i've been around florida Tennessee, uh, Arkansas, and stuff is more expensive. Like stuff is stuff is just jacked up. I know the exchange rate has changed, but the U.S. has it, the the prices of things have gone way up. When I talk to my friends who are renting properties, and I'm telling you how much how much they're spending on rent, and I'm like, yo, like even in the U.K., people people aren't what people are paying in the states for a one bedroom apartment. I'm like, you'd get a whole house for that here, right? in the UK, at least anywhere outside of London. London is very expensive as well, but outside London. And I'm like, man, that's, that's interesting. Cause I don't know as much as I understand, you know, politics and economics and stuff. I don't know what specifically has changed in relatively recent times. That's caused, that's caused that shift. Same happening with secondhand vehicles and stuff like that, right? People are selling cars they bought four years ago for the same price that they bought them for in the States. And I'm like, wait, what's, what's going on? Is this, is this shortages? Is this some different type of inflation? Is this a, a like, I don't, I don't know. Talking about now, the, the, another thing I'm seeing is yeah, the, the, the deodorant's $10 and it's $10. And, <laughs> right. But now it's getting to the point where some things you can't even, you, now they're saying, oh, you can't even get it. You can't even get it. Oh, mm. you, you didn't want to pay $10 for deodorant. Well, sorry, we can't even allow you to pay $10 because you can't even get it now. There's no deodorant for you that we're heading into that land. Now we're hanging in a land where you walk into a car dealership and you say, I love this car. Oh yeah, sure. We'll, we'll get it to you in the next four to six months. You're like, no, what happened to driving off the lot with the car? What happened to, you know, you know how many things I've gone to buy this year that, that I'm like, okay, I like it. I'll take it. And they're like, cool. We'll write your name down. We'll, we'll, we'll get your information. <laughs> and then when it's in, we will, we'll send it to you. And I'm like, nah, dude, like, I want it right now. Yeah. Right. Where's the item? Hmm. So that's becoming a problem too, where, where, where you can't even, you can't even get things. Not only can you not overpay for things and, and the, the inflation numbers that were fed too. Don't you love when you see all oh, inflation's 8.1% of <laughs> picking the lowest thing and telling us that what, it, you're, you, what are you picking? Like, Oh, inflation's 8.1% on water. You know, no, it's like 30% on some things. It's 20% on, on rent. It's 20% on energy. It's, you know, I just noticed so many little things. Again, we talked about Las Vegas earlier. Um, one of the things I'm seeing out of Las Vegas, uh, which I moved from Vegas, to Arizona. And one of the things that I'm seeing out of Las Vegas is they're adopting most of California's policies, right? That's one thing they, they seem to be mm. very prideful on though. We're going to, we're going to do what California's doing. We're going to follow California. Well, they're following California right in a $7 a gallon gas. They're following Cal. You know, they, before I left, they didn't warn any of the residents of Las Vegas, but they raised our property taxes from 3% to 8%, just right under our noses. Wow. Warning, 
nothing. It just happened. You woke up one day and they were like 8%. I'm like, that's a pretty significant. Almost a triple. It's almost a triple. And I believe we're going to continue to see these types of taxes pop up. Not only are we paying, paying the inflation tax right now, but we're paying taxes on uh, uh, increased tax on property. Uh, no, we're just, we're getting, we're getting fake numbers to, to, to I think, ease our, our uh, uh, minds from racing too much, right? But the real numbers are more like, you know, there was a 30% used car markup. Y- you know, everything's in double digits, 20, yep. 30. 20 30 percent you know you're saying deodorant deodorant used to be four dollars now it's mm-hmm. 10. so something that's really interesting rick with everything we've been discussing off the bat is you clearly have you know a level of social cultural political awareness and thoughts about all these things that are going on in your country and in the cities that you've been living in um obviously being in a popular band and having certain viewpoints or expressing certain viewpoints can be a weird road. It can be a strange needle to thread. Something I've noticed in the music of your band, as you said, is it's very uplifting and positive. And from what I gathered, it's it's mostly apolitical. So how have you found that balance? What's your perspective on that? Because I know it can be a weird and murky world there. It's it's been tough to find balance. You almost find yourself shocking to me. I we found ourselves more a little more like lone wolves, uh, if that makes sense. You know, I think that uh, we we love liberty and and freedom. And you know, I, I was happy the way uh, everything was b- before everyone became like a, like an activist for the government. It seems, you know. Uh, the way to navigate this question is we become almost outsiders within our industry. Does that make sense? In the music industry, um, if you, you don't comply with the overall consensus of what a lot of these artists who are programmed by the corporation they work for, the agenda they're pushing, I know that gets a bit complicated, but if you, does it make sense what I'm saying? Like, if you're signed to Atlantic Records, you you have a team of people that kind of give you your talking points and give you the points of what you're going to be passionate about. And it's usually you're passionate about the, the hot new topic, you know, like, oh, support for Ukraine. Oh, you know, we're, we're going to go and, you know, riot down in the cities. Like it's like they're all for that type of activism, right? Like mm-hmm. like pop culture almost. So for us we're we're an independent band and and you know we we're the other side right we love liberty freedom we love the people we love civilians we notice when things are getting out of hand for for the people and to to be to be viewed at as in our industry as the enemy almost or the outsiders is quite shocking to me it's quite shocking to me that when i'm amongst my peers or if i'm on a big festival and i'm like yeah man being free is great that i got five to six people who are looking at me and rolling their eyes i'm like Huh. You know what I mean? And I think mm-hmm. it's just the entertainment industry as a whole. Um, so I don't know if that exactly answers your question, but we, we are we are outsiders um, within our industry. We're pretty alienated. And, you know, we were one of the only bands that in, in 2020, when the government controlled uh, the shutdowns, when they when they out, when they said no one's going to play concerts anymore, uh, mm-hmm. going to be no shows, there's going to be no events. Um, and, and by the way, during that process, uh, the, the very little money that they did give me to support those shutdowns, I had to go to a a hearing because they asked for it back. So, which was, which was weird to me, right? Like, oh, you're going to play no concerts. Uh, and, and then we're going to give you very little assistance. And with the assistance we give you, we're going to ask back in six months and make you go to court over it. So with, with that said, we did play a couple of events in 2020. Uh, outside events we played a couple of outside events after we sorted out what was going on after we had formed our opinion of what covid was how the whole thing was going we decided to play some events and our peers the people in the music industry with us they they really really uh alienated us further due to that right we were like oh adelita's way is playing concerts they're killing people oh my you know, gosh we, we had uh i know we had uh, multiple number one hits uh and and rolling stone never wrote one article about us 
we played two outdoor festivals in 2020 and 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 it was the first time we ever made rolling stone magazine where they were like adelita's way a group of murderers you know it was like is that what they actually said it, it was a headline that was like that like like that that we were killing people essentially in the article right we were we were bringing people to their death by by having a concert and having come together it was the first time i was like we made it you know we made, we made, it. We made it yeah you, you know? can take the name from the killers now yeah, right. Right. no it, dude 2020 was a wild time bro like it, it was so freaking weird it was so weird and what are your thoughts were, did you feel the same disappointment that i did and honestly still do by how few musicians and creative people in general took a stand i mean I'm a, I'm a rapper you're in the world of rock people think of rap and rock as being these you know, rebellious, counterculture, somewhat anti-industry, certainly, you know, not pro-government, not right. pro-big pharma, whatever. And I can count on one hand the number of rappers who took any type of stand and said anything, right? I can count on probably one hand the number of bands or people from bands, not just across the world, right? I, maybe there's like a dozen artists who actually took any type of of stand in fact vast majority it was the opposite a lot of people were just silent but i still feel some type of way about that man i i, I still feel like especially given that even the thing is what's crazy is that even if it had been for so-called selfish reasons it's like yo you, they've shut down your whole industry right you you oh you they're saying you can't you can't tour you can't do gigs you can't like they're cutting off your income stream so you would have thought okay there are the people who, you know, you're just working from home and you're doing your Zoom meetings and whatever, and it doesn't really affect you. But I was like, yo, where are the, where are the musicians? Where are the rappers? Where are the comedians? Where are the dancers? Where are the entertainers who actually go out there and tour and need to be amongst the people? And they're all dead silent. Or even worse, they are the ones telling everyone to follow all the orders. And they're the ones giving out the, you know, going after the people who don't want to do this and don't want to do that. I... I feel disappointed in the population in general, but I feel particularly let down by uh, my fellow musicians, I must say. I do, too. I feel like common sense went out the window in 2020. I, I, I had so many weird interactions with humans that I was like, wow, I can't believe that this is happening right now. You know, I, had a, I, I, I tell this story. I had a girl at PetSmart, like a 17-year-old girl at PetSmart, uh, tell me she wasn't going to sell me dog food because I didn't have my mask over my face enough. And this was after it was all done, right? This was after like all the reports came out that it, that the mask wasn't as effective or effective. And and this was even after all that. And this girl's like, you, you need to wear your mask over your face. I'm like, you're 16 years old, first of all. Uh, you're not gonna tell me how to live my life and then you're gonna refuse service. So I hit her off with the old, I'll do what they do in San Francisco. I'll just walk right out with this dog food and I won't pay for it. You know, see how that goes. But not only, like you said, w w was no one speaking out. You had like the biggest artists in the world rocking like Moderna T-shirts out at their performances, right? You had like, you had like the biggest artists in the world going on telling everyone, "Get your boosters," you know, like it, it was insane to me. It was. Insane. <laughs> I and now everyone, and now everyone's acting like none of it ever happened. Yeah, well, well, when your team, when you're, when you're getting ready to root for your team on Sunday morning. Uh, and, 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 and the game doesn't start yet. And you're like, it's our season, it's our year. And then you go and get blown out. You really don't bring up the blowout again, right? You don't bring up all the wrong things you did. You just move on to the next week. And that seems to be what everyone did, right? They, they, the people that were going around championing, uh, the, the, the vaccination and championing the lockdowns and championing all these things, they were so passionate about it. Well, when it didn't work, you, you don't ever hear them say, oh, man, that, that you know, that, that there's like no admission. There's no no uh, it's. And, and that's why I think it's so easy for people to jump on these trends, because if they're wrong, the, the, what happens? Right. It's just people just forget about it immediately. There, there's no there's no like, wow, you guys were right. You were you were telling me you were telling me to be careful about this jab and, and that I should do more research or you were telling me that the. That, that I didn't have to wear a, a mask and a face shield. Like that never happens, right? They, they, they never mm -hmm. go back in hindsight and say, man, I remember when you were calling this or, or, or you were- No, no, no. Yeah, no, it never the happened. Science, the science changed, Rick. The science changed. 
Nobody was wrong. The science just changed, of course. Right. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about music, though, man. Tell me how your band got together. It started out as me. It started out as me being a songwriter in, in my room uh, and just being obsessed with melodies and lyrics. And then, obviously, once you start getting the, the wheels turning, you're like, I need a band. I need, I, need a, I need to start playing live shows. And one of the first people I met was my drummer, Trevor. And, and right there, I met my right-hand man. And the two of us together, I feel like we've conquered the music industry. You know, so um, just through experience, you know, me and Trevor started playing shows. And through experience, you start, you meet other great musicians. We play with another great local band in Las Vegas. That's where we got our bass player, Andrew. Uh, and, and then from there, you just you start learning that it's that it's a snowball effect. You have to be playing live. You have to be promoting your music every day. You have to be in the studio. You have to be writing songs. If you ain't in the game, you ain't in the game. If you ain't making the music, playing the shows, promoting, talking to your fans, communicating with everyone, then you're not doing it. And that's exactly what the music industry was. And it's exactly what I focused on for the past 12 to 15 years, just connecting with the fans, connecting and interacting with the people that did notice and did recognize our music even from an early on stage right we started playing local shows they were packed uh i started I, I made sure to engage with those people that were coming out right away and supporting the shows and that's the music industry is all about writing songs that connect to people out there who are looking for uh hope looking for motivation looking for love whatever it may be and then and then continuing to um you, you know, just communicate with them via the music or even via online content. I love that, man. I love that. How did you get those first early fans? Because that's always the that's always the hardest part. Once you reach a certain level, then it starts to propagate itself as long as you continue to put out good music. But when you were starting out, how did you get that first initial fan base? Right. That Those fans are the hardest ones because yep. the early believers are it's easy for everyone to jump on a band when they're already making it exactly. right it's already a done deal it's like oh yeah i love that band but in the beginning you feel it everyone wants to say you suck everyone wants to say it's not gonna happen what makes you think you're gonna be the artist so i think blowing them away i think the answer was blowing them away i think looking them right in the eye at a live performance and belting out the notes and singing the songs and making them feel the passion in, in what you're saying and in the songs and showing them that you're the real deal. I used to, I used to have this mentality of I'm the real deal. Uh, you know, Oh, you want to see me sing? Watch this. And, and I knew that it was, that it was something powerful. So I think belief in yourself mm -hmm. is key. I think that obviously practice makes perfect. Uh, so it took a lot of practice to get those initial fans, right? You've got to play, play 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 and and then eventually you're in front of 150 200 people and you're finally good mm -hmm. right? that's when it starts connecting when you start putting on those type of performances that people are talking about when you when you go in and and you get all the kinks out and you get all the nerves out from the first couple shows and then and then you start playing some real great shows and you start blowing people away with the performances that's where it that's where it starts Love that, man. Show and prove. Was Las Vegas the first city where you really grew your audience or was it happening in multiple places at the same time? It was Vegas. Uh, and, and I did do the whole California, Arizona run, right? I knew we had to go regional. I knew it had to be a regional thing. You can't just be, it's good to be local, right? It's good to make it locally. Uh, but regionally is the real word that back in our day, right? We, we started a little sooner. So Back in our day, if you started breaking regionally, that's when people really started talking. It wasn't like, oh, they're, they're big in Las Vegas. We conquered Las Vegas, um, and, and it was a great feeling, but it still didn't get the job done, right? It, it wasn't until we started playing Arizona, uh, California, uh, you know, Utah. We, we, did a re we started getting fans regionally, and, and I think, obviously, we had MySpace back in the day. Uh, you could if, if, if you, you were on people's MySpace playlist, that was another thing that helped. We had a couple of celebrities early on, well, celebrities at the time, but a couple of UFC fighters had our song as their like profile song. You know, this was in the early days of the UFC, too. So, uh, we had a couple of like, like TV show people, they'd have our song in their top three, 
right? So we started building something and then we ended up becoming successfully regionally, uh, successful regionally. But also too, I traveled from studios all around the United States. I recorded in Memphis, I recorded in Nashville, I was recording in LA. And, and through those processes is where I met uh, the A&R guy that actually ended up signing us to, to Capitol Records. That's awesome, man. So you guys are with, you're with Capital now? Or? No, I'm with Capital for eight years. Okay. And, and then once I saw, so in 2011, 2012, I read the first article about streaming and, and, and Spotify. Mm. And I had started asking too many questions, right? Right. You, you ask too many questions in the music business, not a good thing. I'm like, what's, <laughs> what's this Spotify? How are we going to get paid on this? What's going on with this stream? Mm. I'm hearing CDs are done, right? This is back then. I knew that innovation was coming in the music business. So I got us out of all of our deals. Uh, I got us free from every contract and then we've been independent for the last seven years and independently we have over 300 million streams in our songs and I'm just so proud of that because we did it with the fans we did it we, we were blackballed from the music industry and we still conquered this this task that, that was ahead of us and it was through having amazing fans it was through our direct, our direct connection with the fans and also uh, uh we are setting the precedent for the future of the music business but i saw the crystal ball man i saw streaming i saw it that it was coming and i i lined up all the ducks in a row to make sure that when that moment hit we were the ones that owned the music we were the one that owns the, the rights to the streaming and the masters and uh and and it's built an empire man it's been a great experience we are our own bosses we go in the studio whenever we want we release songs whenever we want we have an amazing team of people that we hire out and, and that that are that work with us for the last seven years also i'm very very loyal um i've got the same team for almost the past decade now and uh we're setting the tone for for the future of the music business right artists use us as an example they they whisper in the back oh i heard adelita's ways independent they got <laughs> teams right and 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 it's 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 true man it's all true you can do it nowadays with with just having amazing fans and being ready to work hard i love that man honestly like it's so good it's so good to hear that because i think whether or not people are musicians or even creatives there's so much that can be taken from that example and from that mentality because even though we have the internet even though we have all these opportunities and we have social media and there's so many ways to distribute your work whatever it is so many people are still stuck on this old ancient model and desire to seek approval from some corporation or some executive or, oh, I want to write a book, but I need a publisher. It's like, you don't need a publisher. Oh, I want to make an album, but I need a record label. It's like, bro, you don't need a record label. You can do it yourself. Whatever business you want to start, whatever creative endeavor you want to do, it's like all the tools are there. Everything is there. I mean, if you need money, you can you can use Kickstarter. You can get a loan. You can. There's various platforms even for that that you can use. Where if you're even if you're completely broke, you can find a way to come up with at least a few thousand dollars or pounds, and you can just do it. But I don't know. It, it bothers me when people refuse to be proactive, and when they're just sitting there and waiting for someone to come along and give them some huge opportunity or a giant chunk of money it's like it doesn't work like that man if you go out there and you put yourself out and you do the work by the time those people are even interested in you you're not going to need them right and and i think it's up to you and i to spread that message more and then the people that don't accept that and don't understand that's hey look they're the ones that are going to come in third fourth fifth place right you, you've got to you've got to have that motivation and and it's everything is at our fingertips right you can buy a laptop nowadays get a beat going and start a song it's yeah. technology has changed so much it's been amazing and i think that it's up to to you and i right we're we're we're, the, we're out here letting them know letting all the creators know what is possible right back in the day they would say it was impossible mm -hmm. to get 100 million streams or a billion streams independently well we're heading there we're going to get it done and we're going to be a story that's going to inspire the next generation of musicians. Because if you want to wait around for a record label, you're going to be waiting a real long time. 
And then by the time you get signed to one of those record labels or you get signed to these teams, they never want to put your music out. They yep. want to find under the sun to not release the songs. And it's like one of the keys to success is releasing consistency in your music, consistent great songs that people are connecting to. You release consistent music that people are connecting to, and you will find yourself with a fantastic fan base and a career. I love that, man. One thing I've noticed, Rick, is I'm good at I'm good at gauging like where people are. And one thing that comes off with you is you are a happy man. Very you happy. See, like positivity and optimism actually radiates through, even though you've got the glasses on, right? I can I can tell. It's funny when I do podcasts with people, I can very much tell their sort of general vibe. And even though we haven't met in person, I'm like this this guy's really positive and optimistic. This is someone who knows what's going on in the world. And we've, you know, touched on some of that. And it's not coming from a place of, you know, just ignorance and zombie zombie walking through life and not being aware of things that are going wrong. You're hyper aware of that, but you enjoy your life. You like what you're doing. And I don't know, I just feel that positive optimism radiating from you. Well, likewise, my friend, I I, I feel the energy coming off you too. And I think that's what, what energizes me also. <laughs> I think you see... It's also inspiring to see that 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 you and I are here to try to help the generation that's getting lost right now with in everything. And you you can't spend your whole life lost in politics. They're they're running the country and running the world the way they're going to run it. All we can do is be aware, not let it ruin our day, but be aware. Right? As long as we're aware and we're speaking to each other and we understand what's going on, it's like we've seen them. We've seen the people that rule the world mess up a lot of times, so we can't let it ruin our days, right? We've got to stop and smell the roses, wake up, look at the little things that are great. Um, mm. Appreciate that. I'm a very happy, a very happy person. I feel very blessed. And and there's when I when I speak about anything from politics to to what's going on in the government, it's not uh, because it's ruining my day. It's not because you know I'm so. I'm so upset about it. It's more to to to, to build our team of of, of inf information so everyone knows exactly what's going on so we're aware of the moves, right? Mm -hmm. If you're more aware, it's like when, when they're trying to bait us into to, to reacting a certain type of way. If we're aware that that's happening, we won't react the way they want us to do it. So I think that, that it's very important for you to do what you're doing. Uh, which is continue to inform people that may not know exactly what's going on. People are looking to you for information to to what's really going on, so they can be aware. That's, that's what I'm. That's what I'm a part of. Also, I just yeah. I don't want to cloud my life and make me this unpleased, sad person with all the political things that are going on. But I do mm -hmm. like to be aware of what's going on. Right? I like to know and have the information, but also. I like to live my life to the fullest and I like to be happy. I've got beautiful children. I've got a beautiful family. I've got beautiful friends. You know, I could certainly stop, smell the roses, look up at the sky and realize that life is great. I love that, man. I, I love that so much. And I think right now it's such an important message. After the past two and a half years in particular, I was talking with a friend about this the other day, but I've noticed an, even though stuff is mostly, depending on where you are, mostly back to normal again, I have noticed a downshift in overall optimism amongst the population in different countries. Whether I know people who back in, you know, 2019, 2018, they were a lot more positive. And now they're still, they're a little too far down the rabbit hole and they're just staying there. And I'm kind of seeing this on both sides of the aisle. You've still got people who are like, oh, we're still in a pandemic. We're still in a pandemic. It's not over. And you've also got people who are like, the new world order is going to take over everything. We're going to own nothing and be happy. The WEF and Klaus Schwab, they're going to they're gonna take over everything. There's nothing we can do. Everyone's going to be microchipped. And and it's just like, there's, so, there's these doomsday narratives on both sides of it. It's like, if you go too hard in either way, you end up in this very negative, defeatist mindset. And I think it's so important for people to not stay there because it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you don't think that you can right. win and you don't think, oh, well, there's no point in even trying because they're, they're going to take everything from us anyway. And there's going to be this and there's going to be a civil war and that. And it's just like, dude, it, if that's the way everyone's mentality is, then, yeah, I guess that's what's going to happen if that's where everyone's mind and actions go. 
But if you, again, have that level of awareness, you don't want to walk around being an NPC and not knowing what's going on, but you can be aware and still put in the work, still do what you love, still build your family, build your community, connect with people, do your work, do a good job, be successful, and even position yourself so that, hey, even if if stuff does hit the fan, whether that's worse inflation or it's this with the economy or it's that, then you can be in, you know, you said that you've recently moved. You can be in that position where you can go, okay, you know what, let me, I think this is the best option. Let's go over here. Let's go to this state. Let's go to this city. Let's even go to this country. Let's let's make that move. Um, that's great what, advice, by the way. Yeah. Well, because also, I think what'll what'll make people feel better is that the worst case scenario isn't death and destruction. The worst case scenario is you figuring out how to be self sustainable. That's the <laughs> worst. When when you're talking about the World Economic Forum and how they want to treat everyone and 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 how they wanted to populate us and all this stuff you can get down (laughs) definitely it's all real right look they're putting aluminum in our deodorant they're putting they're putting stuff in our toothpaste that gives you cancer right there it's it's it is all there but the reality is is no matter how bad it gets you could put end to all of it if you just find a way to grow your own vegetables to have your own eggs be laid to to find yeah it's not always easy to find your own water source but if, if you're one of those people that's getting consumed by these things and it's ruining your life, go and get those things because then, no <laughs> then you don't got to worry. Then you don't got to worry no more. If, if you go and you get your farm or you get your you don't even need a farm. They got these gardens now that grow all your vegetables right in the inside. If you're one of those doomsdayers and you're like, they're coming after us, the end of the world, <laughs> the world coming for them. if you're feeling that way, get yourself a garden, get yourself some water. And, and move out of the city and, mm-hmm. and you have nothing to worry about. You have nothing to worry about. Then all your all your problems, if it's consuming you, if, if you're waking up every day and what the government's doing is consuming you so much, move out. Move Be out proactive. of the city. Go somewhere a little farther out. Plant a garden, get some chickens, and you have you're you're out of the system. You're you're I love good. that man. You know you have to be proactive. I think that's the through line through this podcast, which is that in your creative endeavors, your entrepreneurial endeavors, your business, your life, you have to be proactive. You can't just sit there and react to everything that's happening to you. Otherwise, you're just going to be like a leaf. And every time the wind blows, you just go in this direction, that direction. You need to be proactive and do what you can to put yourself in a better position. This doesn't mean you have to be a multimillionaire and a billionaire and whatever, right? But just improve your standings, be in good physical health, take care of your physical health, take care of your mind, take care of those around you, you know, take care of your finances, don't make ridiculous and reckless decisions, and you will be in a better position. And, you know, we don't want to strive for perfect because we're never going to get perfect, but you can always strive for better. You can always strive for better. And and also, too, uh, it's you you nailed it on the head. It's like focus on the things that really do matter, your health, your, your, you know, eating better, getting in shape. It's like we're, we're definitely getting distracted at every turn with, with, with nonsense, right? We wake up, we see the doomsday news. I think one <laughs> putting people down a little bit though, that, that is a little out of our control is it really feels like multiple world governments right now are trying to create somewhat of a financial crisis, right? Yeah. They're, they're trying to, they're trying to make the value of money go down. They're trying to create some form of, you know, all the, all the retirement accounts and stock markets are down. Home prices are unaffordable. I, I think that that stuff, you know that's got to be fixed, man. They they've got to start doing that, or you're gonna find people. You're gonna find people are gonna get Amish real quick. They're gonna start building their own house. <laughs> How yeah. close? It's like I'm about two years away from showing up to Home Depot myself, buying all the lumber, and start building my own house. Right? It's like <laughs> I got to figure out how to how to build one. If things are, if the world's gonna go in this direction, and we're gonna continue to 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 be you know priced out of being able to have a place to live. You know, I want to know how to build a house, right? I, I'm, I'm going to start. So, so I guess for everybody listening out there, if you're if you're c- completely worried about the direction that everything is going, start learning how to do things yourself, and you'll be fine, right? If somebody ain't going to build a house for you or sell a house that that they're already in, you might have to build one. You might have say to say, and uh, yeah, as they used to teach us in in clubs in Cub Scouts, I remember. Be prepared. That was the thing they always said. Right. Rick, what's so interesting is, and I, I don't normally mention podcasts that I'm yet to do on podcasts that I'm doing, 
But funnily enough, you've just moved to Arizona, right? Yes. Okay. I'm next interview I'm doing today is with your potential next governor. I've got an interview with Carrie Lake. So um before I speak to her, as an as a new Arizona resident, do you have any any specific questions for her? You know, first of all, I want to show my love and support for her. We we really need to keep Arizona uh, uh, in, in the right mindset, and we need to keep Arizona for the people. Um, I would say, if I were to ask her one question, I would re I'd really focus on, you know, what steps are they taking to make sure we're going to get a fair election, and that and that that we have an opportunity to to have Carrie come in here and and keep Arizona great. You know, Arizona is a great place. Um, there's so much I love about it already. And, and one of my fears that I have is I've watched Nevada get taken over uh, by the California minded government. Right. I've seen it in my I've lived there for 15 years. I watched it change. Mm. I don't want that to happen to Arizona now. Am I going to have to keep running away or <laughs> am I going to have to run away or are we going to put our foot down? So I would say you know, uh, uh, are we looking at having, a, 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 are, are they taking the steps necessary to make sure that, that the people uh, are, are getting a fair election and that we really have a, a shot here at, at keeping Arizona a, a place where people can be free, um, you know, where we're focused on liberating our constitution? Okay, I will, I will ask her that. I will ask her. Rick, it's been so good to talk to you, man. Um, I want to respect your time and not go overboard on this one but where can people find you are you on social media and where can they check out your music feel free to Every plug anything way everything spotify adelita's way instagram adelita's way facebook adelita's way just all across the board i appreciate you and 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 thank you for having me and and it's i know that we're in good hands you know uh with with artists like you and i and and your podcast going out there, informing people and, and letting people know what's really going on in the world. And I appreciate your, your, your bravery, uh, and going against, uh, uh, I guess it's the, 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 the popular thoughts, right. We're <laughs> putting a lot on the line and, and I really appreciate you, uh, for stepping forward and, and, you know, giving the people the information that they need. Nice one, Rick. Appreciate it, man. Rocking. Okay. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.